Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zapka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And I'm Brianna. Yes, all three of us are here today for a very special review of Pulpo, episode 9 of season 2, Brianna's favorite episode, and Tom's, <laughs> apparently. Yes, I would say that it might not just be my favorite of the season, it's at least in the top three of the series so far for me. Yeah. It is very, very good. Um, I'll go ahead and spoil that now. And that's not something that we typically talk about on uh, each of our reviews anyway. Like, oh, would, you know, did you like this episode or did you not like it? You know, I, I, I think we've enjoyed every single one. We ha- may have one that we watched less than others, you know, something like that. But that still doesn't mean maybe that's a, a lesser episode. It might just be harder to watch. Um, you know, I'll leave it at that. But... Uh, this one has my second favorite scene of the entire series in it. Ooh, and we will hmm. get to that, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, this this was a, a lot of fun. And uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Amy S. provides our episode summary per usual. And in this episode, she writes, Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do train montage style while the love quadrangle of Miguel, Tori, Robbie, and Sam continues. A tearful Shannon returns from her Cabo-adjacent trip and vows to Robbie that she's going to enter rehab. Moon throws a back-to-school party where gauntlets are thrown and the Sam and Tori feud escalates. Across town, Carmen and Johnny's first date is interrupted by the arrival of the LaRussos at the same restaurant, and after a few drinks and a lot of dancing, Johnny and Daniel call a truce. So, thanks Amy for that. I think she nailed it. Yes, thank you as always, Amy. Uh, this episode, the teleplay, the teleplay is written by Michael Jonathan Smith, uh, Brianna, which you and I had the pleasure of meeting. Yes. Uh, IRL, and uh, the story is by the four of them, the big three plus uh, Michael Jonathan Smith. Um, and this one is directed by uh, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. So not the three of them, just the two. This one because you know Josh, he directs a couple on his own. So um, yep. As uh, as Amy had mentioned, this episode, it does start with a uh, training montage. Uh, it's got a, a Fifth Harmony song playing in the background there. It's kind of interesting. You know, we get to see uh, Miguel and Tori do a little bit of training outside the apartments. Uh, we got Sam and Robbie out on the beach. Is that what they call that? These, is that what those crazy kids call that these days? What's that? Training. Training, I mean, training adjacent, you know, uh, perhaps. But I just think it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast, you know, the two couples there. Miguel and Tori are in front of the apartment. It's like if Carmen walks out, I'm sure they wouldn't be embarrassed, right? Because it, clearly they're comfortable uh, there. Where yes. Sam and Robbie, they're, you know, they're at the beach. Not saying that there's anything wrong with the beach, but they're still kind of hiding their relationship. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, I, I do like how the montage ends. A little bit of split screen there where the two uh, women there, Tori and Sam, are, you know, the way it's shot anyway, it looks like they're staring each other down. Yeah, I, I thought this was like 
probably the best montage of the season. The way it was done and putting the girls against each other the way they did, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, well, not only that, but I really enjoyed the way that it kind of set the stage for the entire episode because really, when you boil it down, this episode is about the two dojos. Their differences as well as the fact that they're a lot more similar than I think either one of them would want to admit. I think so, too. Um, This isn't something we get too heavy into usually, especially for our episode reviews. Uh, The episode titled Popo, it means octopus, right? So in this in this episode, it it could really it could really be. Gosh, what what's the word I'm I'm looking for? Like a a metaphor for for many things. The very first we're introduced to an octopus on the show was um, episode seven, season one, where Miguel wins Sam. The, the octopus, right? So that's like the union of these rival dojos, basically. In this episode, um, I'm jumping ahead here, but Carmen ordered something with octopus, and that's the union of the LaRussos plus Carmen and Johnny. Again, the two different dojos. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of interesting. There's a there's a figurative kind of thing with the octopus, too, with the, with the mini arms, and okay. the 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 different you know branches out and things like this and it's like there's eight different sides to this story that we're seeing you know there's all these multiple little offshoots coming off of this main thing where everybody's got their own little arm of the octopus that they occupy and yeah. then, oh i like that play on word right yeah. and then the octopus himself of course makes an appearance now, I mean, we could be completely wrong on all of those, and it could be very well a nod to Jake and Tom Conquer the World, right? You never the, know. The, 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 the never Hydra. know. All right. So Sam and Robbie, uh, they get back to the LaRusso house, and they find Shannon crying, and uh, she says Cabo was a mistake, which Robbie says that he could have told her, which I think he even tried telling her. Um, but we find out that she's going to check herself into rehab, and wants to change for him. So do you get the sense that the character's name is Rick? Do do we think something happened there? That he, Do we think that maybe he left her in Cabo? What do you guys think happened in Cabo that made her realize that she wants to change uh, for Robbie? Whatever it was, it's not good. Um, and I believe in giving people second chances. In fact, that's one of the main themes of this episode in particular in the show in general but i do also think it shows i don't know i i I just don't trust her you know i don't think she really wants to change for robbie i think she's kind of down and out and she's kind of clinging to him as almost like i don't know i i just don't trust her you you don't have a good feeling about this to take something from star wars okay Hmm. (laughs) i interesting I, i do believe her um, I, I think something definitely happened down there. I don't know that we'll ever know what it was. Um, obviously Rick is not there with her. So either she got down there and found out that, you know, first of all, they weren't in Cabo. They were Cabo adjacent. So, you know, they're in some back alley in some little nowhere town and it's, you know, this dangerous place or she just got in over her head, which is possible. It's also possible that, you know, when she got down there, she checked her voicemails and she finds out from Daniel and possibly Amanda, definitely from Johnny, that their son is missing. He's homeless. The power has been shut off. They've been evicted. All of these things happened to Robbie because she left him. 
And I think more important than me believing Shannon, Robbie does. Because as soon as she said, you know, it, it, when she's giving her whole tearful speech and everything, he's sitting, facing away from her. He's not looking at her. He's like, I've heard all this before. As soon as she says she's going to rehab, he sits up straighter and he turns toward her. Yeah. And he thinks it's great. Yeah. You know? So I, I kind of believe it, too. Um I, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I feel like in Cabo, she might have just, it, I mean, it could have been something bad, but it also could have been something where, like, she partied way too hard and came to a realization how much she missed Robbie. You know, this may not be something that we get uh, in, you know, flashbacks or anything like that, but um, I am curious to 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 know what, what made her change, you know? Other than um, Rick just being a jerk. Right, right. Most Ricks are. Haha, <laughs> just kidding one time. So, you know, she wants to change for him, and I think we're all happy about that. Yes. Obviously, right? Um, he doesn't have either parents right now, and, you know, the other one he's working on, I suppose. But um, Shannon says that, you know, he can stay with the LaRussos because, you know, she's been talking to them or his dad, uh, which she also ends up blaming herself for his relationship with Johnny, which I thought was very interesting, too. So... Did she have like a come to Jesus moment or something? I almost think she would have had to. Um, I think it's very common. I mean, Johnny and Robbie obviously have their own problems with Johnny because Johnny admits to Miguel that he walked out on Robbie the day he was born. But then again, he has a picture of his 10 year old son hanging on his refrigerator. So was Shannon sending them to him? Was he making efforts and Shannon was blocking him? She was obviously always, you know, bad talking him to Robbie, which Robbie would shut down not quite as violently as he did Johnny's bad talking of Shannon. Right. But he didn't want to hear that out of either of them. And they both obviously did it. So, yeah, mm, that is interesting, too, to see how much effort did Johnny uh, actually try um, that would be another good question to ask uh, John Hurwitz during a Q&A about that picture. Like, you know, in his mind, how did Johnny get that picture? Was it sent to him or did he get it himself? Not that he would necessarily answer that question, but I think it's an excellent question to ask. Yep, thank you. So we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot, A for effort uh, or E. Um, and then uh, we cut to the Diaz's and Carmen is dressed up for a hot date with Johnny. I love Yaya. She, pro- I think her line gave, uh, made me laugh the loudest. Uh, basically, she comments that uh, Carmen is dressed uh, too hot for the teacher. Basically, I'm, I butchered the line. She says it a lot better than me, but that's how I have it in my notes. She delivers it so. She really does. Great, and yeah, I, it's, it's the only thing I believe she has said in English in the entire run of the show, and I it's think a you're Motley right. Crew title. So you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was you know a closet what? Motley Crue fan. Not to be the music geek, but that's Van Halen. Oh, it is. It is. You're right. No, nope, nope. it's David Lee Roth. That's not a right. music geek at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real quick, before we move on to that, I, maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but I kind of got the impression that Yaya approved of this date. You know, she knows Johnny. I kind of got the impression that she thinks the two of them would be good for each other. Did anybody else pick up on that? I got that impression in season one, though. I have thought that that uh, Yaya ships Johnny and Carmen um, 
from the very beginning when she takes Johnny's mm-hmm. side in the whole Miguel doing karate thing. Absolutely. Yeah. She just shrugs uh, and, and says, I like him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, in our interview, we kind of, uh, or I, I joked with Rose that maybe in season two, we can get something where he walks by and Rose just slaps him on the ass, which she laughed at. But then she's like, well, no, because, and then she brings up Carmen and Johnny, you know, and I was like, ah, good point. See, so even Rose knew. Um, so I, I think that was something that we were pretty much teased with in season one, that that would eventually become a thing. Oh, but, but, but Tom specifically, yes, that Yaya uh, approves of this. I do like that. I yes. also like that Rosa takes full advantage of the fact that Johnny has no idea what she's saying and she can right. say anything <laughs> she wants yeah. to him. Don't knock her up. <laughs> and he says, thank you. <laughs> as, they, as they walk away, you know, like, yeah. She, I, what she says about uh, Carmen's husband, too, being a real piece of shit. Oh, right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, reminds me of my grandmother who passed away at the young age of, oh, gosh, I think she was 57. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, f- somewhere between 57 and 59. I was 11 years old, so this was a, a really long time ago. Uh, my grandmother, from what I recollect, she didn't speak a lick of English, but she understood it very much like Yaya. Um, if she said anything in English, it, it was very little and usually not in, um, um, you know, full sentences. I, I remember one instance where, you know, that made me think like, ah, she understands more English than I thought. Um, she had just gotten a picture done at uh, Glamour Shots. You know, they made her look really uppity and, you know, like a rich rich snob. And one of my uh, aunts, one of my aunties, She's like, she told her sister, she's like, oh, God, mom looks like a like a rich bitch. And then, like, my grandmother laughed. And I was like, oh, she knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so I I get the sense that Yaya is kind of like that, too. I mean, her too hot for teacher. It's it's a great, great line. But it fits because she's the the pot smoking grandma, right? Yeah, I mean, but we don't know if it's right. Re- yeah, yeah, we, 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 <laughs> we absolutely know that Rosa smokes pot because she point blank says, I had a joint before we came. Well, I know, but but I was going to say recreationally. Either way, I'm just picturing my grandmother smoking a joint and I can't help but blush. You know, it, it reminds me of the grandmother from uh, Don't Be a Mess to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. <laughs> you know, I was a teenager when that came out and I remember one of the most quoted lines was, there's some good shit, you know, like that. Um, well, I have to say, though, my mom's mom absolutely would have, because my mom's mom, one of the last sentences I ever heard the woman say was, where's my damn bear? And she was 98. <laughs> oh, okay. God bless that woman. Exactly. <laughs> oh, good for her. Um, all right. So we cut to the LaRussos uh, inside Sam's room. She is Skyping with Moon. Um, and she doesn't know what miguel sees in tori yeah and she's recounting her version of the night before at the roller rink that's right yeah but moon says uh she's throwing a party because her mom is out of town and this is where amanda comes in and tells sam that they're going out uh to dinner and dancing then they have a little exchange about who's being predictable in the I, my my word of of parenting advice to Amanda, which she really should understand at this point with teenagers, never ever ever tell a teenage girl that you know you don't have to worry about them, never, because the second you say that, 
they're going to go, oh, I can get away with anything mm, I want That's right a very now. good point. I say that as yeah. a teenage, you know, someone who was once a teenage girl whose mother made that mistake. Ah, <laughs> oh, you yeah, never. Might be speaking of experience, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm speaking from experience from the Sam side of it. So yeah, that was just a bad call. Never tell them you trust them. Never tell them that, that you know they're not going to misbehave because that's pretty it's well carte blanche to do it. It is. It is. Go do whatever you want. I'm not going to believe that you did it anyway. Yeah, I mean, at least at least she says have fun and make good choices. Right, but it sounds like something that she said like a thousand times. Every time Sam leads the house, and then Sam never makes a bad choice. I do like that line though. I mean, it kind of gets called back later on so um and then this is where sam goes back and uh, messages moon that she will be going yes um and then she goes looking for something to wear uh, to the party and sees the octopi octopi octopus and, there's only uh, one of them Octo- octopus octopus well i'm blaming miguel for, for season one um doesn't he drop the word octopus? That was earlier this season when he says that octopi, uh, he says octopuses uh, are our right. mascot. Octopi. To Tori. You know, yeah, to Tori. Okay. And then she kind of recounts their first date at, uh, or not a date, I guess, at Golf and Stuff. And Senior, um, see, just Senior Octopus, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we do see him. I, I get you would remember more than me. Yeah, and they, because then Miguel says, well, I didn't realize the octopus was Hispanic, but okay. I didn't even know it was and, a yeah. dude. I, I, I don't know. I thought they're asexual, maybe? I mean, even if that's the case, do they have genders? I don't know. I think they may be, uh, is it, oh, the one that can switch? Okay. I mean, this is I don't know. the episode to talk <laughs> about octopuses, to be honest with you. So we're going to hash it all out here. Um, all right. So we cut back to or cut to the restaurant where we see Johnny and Carmen. And, um, you know, they uh, they haven't ordered yet. But I, I like in mid-sentence here because um, Carmen was asking Johnny, how's Miguel's training, training going? And they kind of do the whole like, oh, he's a boy. But... Johnny's like, no, he's a man, you know. So through Johnny's eyes that uh, Miguel is becoming a man kind of thing. And Carmen was talking about how she can't keep up with the drama or his drama because, you know, of his new girlfriend. And then Johnny's in mid-sentence, when you're a teenager, it's hard to avoid. Yes. <laughs> and then the LaRussos show up. So, you, yeah, even as adults, you can't avoid drama. No. Not these two. It's not possible. No, not at all. Um, it so happens that the only table available is next to them. Um, you know, Daniel obviously wants to try to get another table, but the only thing available is probably standing space over by the bar. That's what the waitress said, but there are an awful lot of empty tables behind Johnny's shoulder. I don't know if maybe those people, because she did, the waitress did say they were fully booked. So maybe those people were coming later and just weren't there yet. There you go. I mean, great choice of words. It was booked, you know, not that like we don't have any available chairs or tables. Right. And then there's that one poor guy sitting over by the kitchen door by himself. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> I, I, I did I've, not notice him. I've, I've, well, I've gone to Mexican restaurants by myself before because it's like, you know what? I just want Mexican food and nobody else likes it. So I'm going by myself. And it's really depressing. It's kind of like going to Red Lobster by yourself. It's just no fun. Honestly, any restaurant by yourself is kind of. Kind of an awkward experience at best. I did go to where did I go recently? I went somewhere by myself recently. I can't. I can't. Did you go get sushi by yourself? I do that a lot, um, especially for lunch. That's not it. You went somewhere I mean, and ate I've something by yourself. I've also gone to yourself. the movies by myself. Yeah. Now the movies by yourself is different, though. Yeah, because you're just watching a movie. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Anyway. Oh, you know what? It was the buffet. Oh, there you go. That's like going to Pondo by yourself here. You know, have, yeah. Half the people out there are out there by themselves. So you saying that's a little bit more common? Yeah. 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 But like okay. Golden Corral or something like that. Because, you know, Chocolate Fountain. Who's not they going for that. the Chocolate Fountain, right? Absolutely. The fondue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chocolate fondue. Um, anywho. And back on this one, this is one of the few things that stuck out to me as an Easter egg. And I found it on accident. Okay. And it's it I was I was skimming through scenes to use for something and it, it realized that two of these camera angles are duplicates almost well Johnny's is Johnny's is a little bit different. Daniel's is almost exactly a duplicate from the original Karate Kid movie. And it, this scene is kind of that in reverse, okay? So Daniel comes into the dojo and he sits down on the bench. Right. And as he does it, he looks back over his left shoulder at the kid he's sitting down next to. And then he sits the rest of the way down and he stares forward. And then the crowd parts as the kids bow. Johnny looks up and sees him over the top of them. Daniel looks back, sees him, stands up, walks out. This scene is that one in reverse. Daniel hmm. walks in. Johnny looks up across the crowd, notices him. They have their tense little eye, not going to use the word that most fans would use here, but the eye contact between them. <laughs> um, and then Daniel goes to sit down. And as he does it, he looks over his left shoulder at Johnny. His head and his body are in the exact same position that he was in when he sat down on that bench. Ah, we're going to need those screen... Uh... Uh, screen captures. Yeah, I've 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 got them. I used them for something, which is why I I noticed that that camera angle is the exact same. Johnny's ah. is a little different because it's him from an angle instead of straight on. Right. But right. Daniel is almost exactly. And it, did they do it on purpose? I really don't see how it could have been an accident for them to get it that exact. That seems pretty intricate there. Yeah. And especially when. Two of the big three are directing. I think that's on purpose. I think so too. Yeah. All right. Um, and Daniel uh, wants to make sure that there's not going to be any trouble, and and Johnny agrees that there wouldn't be any. Yeah. Well, sort of reluctantly. Sure. Well, I kind of got the impression that he meant that he wasn't going to start any trouble. Right. And I think that's they're they're both getting these looks from their women, like, "Come on, behave." And then Johnny right. looks back at Carmen like, see? Yeah. Uh, we cut to Moon's house, and apparently the entire Miyagi-Do dojo clan show up at the exact same time. So maybe they took a bus. Um, to it looks like one car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to imagine uh, all of these kids in Sam's BMW. Right. Uh, and uh, Dimitri, he brought Trivial Pursuit. Um, and realizes that there's too many bodies there, and maybe he should have brought Balderdash. Is that a game either of you familiar with? I, I know Balderdash. It's very fun when drunk, so it actually would have been highly appropriate. Okay. But I was that nerd who brought Trivial Pursuit, that exact box, actually, the blue box genus edition. That That um, is your box. You let yes. him borrow it. Yeah, I, yeah there, there we go. Um, but <laughs> I, I was the nerd that would, at, at least the beginning of my junior year, I would have. By the end of that, I was way too into the recreational side of those parties to bring Trivial Pursuit. But when I started, I was the nerd that brought Trivial Pursuit. Tom, uh, Balderdash, is that something you played? I know the name, Okay, but uh, 
I was more of the uh, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit guy. I never could get anyone to play the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with me because I was kind of like I am for the Karate Kid with Star Wars. So well, if I can uh, find my uh, copy, we'll have to figure out some way to do it online, ma'am. There we go. That'll be fun. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. You guys have at it. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Um I, you know, in terms of board games, I know we actually kind of talked a little, a little bit about this when we did our uh, uh, was it a mail call episode. I, was that what it was called, mail call or something? something? Lines, yeah, yeah, that episode. Yeah. Um, but one of the games I enjoy playing, I don't know if it's a really good drinking game. It's just more, more fun in t- terms of trivial, and it's really about knowing each other and, and your friends that you play with. But it's called. Um, Loaded questions. Okay, I'm not familiar and with they, this one. They have, they have a. I don't know if it's like the adult version, but they have a version that's not for kids that I never got a chance to play, and I'm sure the questions are a little bit more risque. I, I would imagine our big drinking game for family get-togethers because that's one of our favorite, um, like family, yeah, family tradition. The Hank Williams Jr. song, "Family Tradition." That is okay. both sides of my family, mine and my husband's. That's what we do. We all get together and drink and play Cards Against Humanity. Oh, yeah, yeah. I play that one. That's a fun one. Definitely not for children. No. No, definitely not. They, but they have different editions as well. I think I saw a Game of Thrones one not too long ago. Yeah, and I think they've uh, they've got Supernatural cards in. I don't know if it was an entire Supernatural expansion or just like a the Hollywood expansion that had Supernatural stuff in it. Yeah. But huh. yeah. It's fun. Okay. Highly inappropriate. Right. Well, those are the best ones. One of my favorite moments here is, uh, so everybody walks in and there's a little bit of a stare off. You know, Dimitri and Hawk, you get a little tension there. And then Chris and Mitch, that's pretty good. And out of nowhere, we got Nathaniel and Bert staring at each other. And Bert's got this killer look on his face. Stole Not the entire with. scene with that one look. He really did. Yeah. He nodded his head. He was the only one. He he's the one who looked like uh, he's filled with hate. That little bird. It's it's like the old fashioned Wild West standoff. Yeah. Right where this camera's <laughs> yeah. like zooming in on Clint Eastwood and then zooming in on you know the British guy whose name I just forgot in The Unforgiven, you know, and just going back and forth between them. And then here comes Bert the drama squirrel. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it, it just it's it's perfect. I love it. Oh man, that's so good. They, they, they were all so good. And then Miguel and Tori walks in uh, during this little stare off. And uh, Sam kind of questions like, you didn't, you know, well, why did you invite the Cobra Kai? Moon just figured it'd be okay because summer's over and they can all be friends again before school uh, uh, is back in session. On one hand, I, I kind of get the impression that was amazingly naive of Moon. But on the other hand, I think she has a point. You know, there's no reason why they have to be at each other's throats constantly. You know, especially if you consider the fact that everything kind of stems from the rivalry between their senseis. And in the meantime, unbeknownst to them, their senseis are actually getting along, at least for one night. Right. Moon, Moon, I think, was born about 50 years too late. She should have been 16 in 1968. Oh, absolutely. She yeah. is true to the core hippie flower child. Yeah, but um, kind of what Tom was saying about her being naive, she wasn't around this very much, right? I mean, she saw like the All Valley, but I don't think she knows 
how deep like the hatred of these dojos go for one another. You know, so that's why she's just like, what, what, what's the big deal? You know, we all go to the same school. You know, you and your karate clubs just squash, uh, squash the beef. Well, she well, understands I mean, the interpersonal things going on because she just spent how long on, you know, with, messenger you know, Sam. with Sam listening exactly. to what happened the night before. I think she thought and, she could fix it. Right. Get them all together in a, in a circle, smoke a peace pipe, get stoned, and everybody's happy. Where is this peace pipe? I don't know, but it's apparently lower calorie. So they really seriously, these children need to stop getting drunk in each other's general vicinity. Right. Yeah. A little underage drinking going on here. Uh, So we go back to the restaurant and the women are getting to know each other. Um, I like how Carmen says that she's familiar with who they are because she's seen the billboards. You know, they kick the competition. (laughs) Yep. This was Um, the... uh, trying. Say this was the sneak peek scene. At yes. C2E2. That's right. And it, it started with it, the, the camera was on Johnny. The first scene, we, the first shot we saw was of Johnny. And, you know, telling Carmen that he's had to double his classes. And then they show Carmen. That was when I screamed yes, which made everyone on stage turn and look at me. And then they showed Daniel. And that's when I actually screamed and threw myself to the floor and bit Carrie. That's when you lost your shit. That's when I lost my shit. And I will tell you why. Because now that we're talking about the scene, I can tell you why. My friend, um, my friend Bitka and I have had this thing for over a year now that we want to see on screen Johnny and Daniel on a double date with Carmen and Amanda at a bar, getting drunk together, singing karaoke to Bob Seger's old time rock and roll being completely ridiculous while their women just roll their eyes at them. So for Not me too far off. to see a double date involving drinking in front of me, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I was happy. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That is pretty amazing. But we didn't get Seeger yet. So I mean, you were pretty damn close to it. I'd say a good 95% there. I don't know how many different scenes Tom and I have pitched and we haven't seen any of them. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't pitch this. I didn't. We don't. We don't well, talk about this you, anywhere anyone yeah. can see. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Tomato. Tomato. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I I could only imagine uh, what you were uh, feeling. But uh, it it sounds like it was quite a riot for you. Yes. And just just the way you explain it too. Like first you see Johnny. All right. Okay. So he's he's at a restaurant. Carmen. Oh my God. They're on a date. Wait. What? Daniel's there too. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, the setup must have been pretty awesome. Um, so, so was there anything different, or is it exactly the same as it is on the episode? Uh, it was exactly the same. It was it was that scene, um, you know, of the the uh, dojo measuring contest, we'll call it, um, with Amanda That's pretty going much what I called it too. right, yeah. yeah, and Amanda doing the okay, this is happening, and then the dance battle. Um, and then Raymond walking in and then back to the stare down between Johnny and Daniel over the menus. And I, I think it cut right before the women got up to go to the restroom. I see. Okay. All I right. I just like the fact that, uh, I got an answer to my question as far as who the better dancer was. The man who should have a mirror ball on his mantle. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Who the better dancer is between Johnny no, no, and no. Daniel. No, no, no. What? Mirror ball? Mirror ball. Mirror ball trophy, because Ralph was robbed 
in his season of Dancing with the Stars. Is, is that what they get as winners? A mirror ball? Yes! Have you never seen the mirror ball trophy? Uh, no. You absolutely have to. Okay. But that was another thing that I kept uh, um, on Twitter just messing around, had, had done the hashtag Let Daniel Dance Again starting like ah. last June. And I would put up, you know, videos of his Dancing with the Stars dances and stuff like this and, and hashtag it Let Daniel Dance Again. And then the casting side came out for this episode and they, which we didn't know anything about the episode at the time, but the casting side was specifically for someone who knew how to salsa dance. And I was like, oh, hey, I know this guy. And then I put up Daniel or I put up Ralph's salsa and Uh hashtagged it, let Daniel dance again. And the official Twitter liked that post. And I Uh sat on that. For months, I I think um, I didn't tell anyone actually that they had liked that one, but I took it as confirmation that he was going to and I do was a little salsa. Very happy. Yeah, I bet. Oh man, you're gonna have to uh, you know reveal some more of these so we can get in on some of the goods. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see here. Where are we at? Dancing, salsa dancing. Yeah. So drinking. yeah, the cl- so, we skipped so ahead said... though. We skipped ahead the with the, because we skipped the whole um, Sam and Tori on the, the the stools and all of that too. Yeah. Um, my next note, you actually kind of touched on it. You said dojo measuring contest. I have it as class measuring contest. Um, but uh, yeah, Carmen tries to change the subject. And uh, they talked about high school, and she was saying how she was boy crazy. And then we learned from Amanda that she uh, it seemed like she had a different boy every week. And uh, Johnny's amused by that. And Daniel is not amused by Johnny's amusement. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> and then this is when they decide to push the tables together. Yes. Well, the, the women decide the to women. push the tables yes. together. And the boys yep, are like, yep. no, 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 no. Right. Uh, and we have a pretty great dance-off between uh, Edwin and Nathaniel here. Um, obviously, the way it's set up, you know, Edwin's dancing, so you're just like, oh, okay, they're doing like a kind of circle uh, circle thing that kids do, and then he goes and points over at Nathaniel, who comes out and does some Fortnite dances, and I remember watching this live and laughing my ass off, because my kids do these. Uh, I... I... Love that whole thing. Like, they're expecting him not to be able to do anything. And mm-hmm. then he comes out, and the way Nathaniel's moving is just, like, he has no bones. <laughs> yeah, these dances I see all the time. So I was very familiar with these. But what I liked was all of the kids that are in the living room are getting along. They like are. Chris and Chris and, and Hawk are sitting on the couch laughing. AJ picks Nathaniel to come out and dance mm-hmm. next yeah, yes. and, and he's cheering for him and he's like oh yeah and, and they're all getting along and and there's Cobra Kai kids and Miyagi-Do kids both doing the Nate 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 thing right right and I, I love that it's pretty great and then uh Stingray shows up with a date I wonder if this is a tinder date not sure but he's greeted by Bert in the kitchen uh, that was pretty funny this is the moment at which I really st- Start to stop finding Raymond funny. Okay, interesting. Uh, why is that? Um, before this, he's just been the like socially awkward, maladjusted adult. Okay. At this point, he's contributing, mm-hmm. and this particular adult in my children's lives is the one that 
I have a tendency to call the cops on. Okay. Um, just because, you know, here is an adult who is not necessarily providing alcohol to these children, but he is there with them and he has brought alcohol and you know those kids are going to end up drinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not one of those parents who believes that my children are 100% pure because I know what I was at 17. And I don't imagine that my children are, you know, more perfect than I am and children do stupid things. But that doesn't mean that adults need to go around enabling them to do yeah. it. And this is the part where the mom in me starts reacting very poorly to Raymond. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's that's very, very fair. Um, you know, he's written for laughs and, and I laughed. I, I totally get it. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I remember where I was at 17. I had a baby. Uh, I started drinking at 14 at parties. So I totally get it. Uh, I was Bert. Right at fourteen, <laughs> I, I I didn't get a good look at what was in Bert's hands, but I was at parties very much like this. Um, yes, yeah, seventeen-year-old me loves Raymond and thinks he's the greatest guy on the planet. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Forty-six-year-old yep. me wants Raymond nowhere near my children. I totally understand. I get it. Um, but I do find it funny that so he is with this young lady. She's like, I thought we're going to your friends. He's like, these are my friends. Uh, and it's funny, too, because he says, uh, well, th- their parents are out of town, which is exactly what Moon told Sam. So I wonder if he got like a direct invite from Moon himself. I think he'd have to. Yeah, he would have to to know that. But at the same time, we, I mean, we've never seen him in any position where he would ever know her. Because That's a good point. Moon and Hawk had already broken up before Raymond really got active in the dojo. I mean, he was there, but yeah. he wasn't part of all of that. So it was probably just a word of mouth thing, you know, like, hey, we're going to Moon's her, you know, her parents are out of town. Even though she says mom, but, you know, Raymond's saying parents. Um, that's probably what it is. You know, many parties were like that, right? A lot, of, a lot of it was word of mouth. Sometimes I threw parties. I was like, oh, I don't remember inviting you, but okay. I mean, I know who you are. It's fine. You came with such and such. I know them. Right. Who was invited. So yeah, yeah, it was a thing. And everybody always knew whose parents were out of town that weekend. Oh, sure. I mean, I threw quite the ragers back in my day. Um, many broken TVs that I had to fix. I didn't throw them, but I showed up at part. I mean, people got shot at the parties I went to. And I live in a town of 5,000 people. So I have I've have been at parties with shootings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always fun. Yeah. Not really, but <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, I yeah. didn't get shot, so I'm OK. No, uh, I, I remember some parties um, being chased and jumping over people's backyard fences and such. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've got stories. Uh, but anyway, uh, Tori challenges Sam to a drinking game in the backyard, which she accepts. And once again, just like with the roller rink, the boys are completely over this whole thing and they're just Miguel especially just kind of drops his eyes and sighs and follows Tori wherever she's going he doesn't really want any part of this but he's just like a little puppy dog following her everywhere and Robbie is trying to stop Sam and then gives up Uh, speaking of the roller rink uh, I want to give the uh, shout out to the Cobra guys Jeremy and Mikey um, you know, I don't, uh, I'm, uh, I'm caught up on their episodes except for the ones that were the episode reviews. If we haven't done them yet, I don't listen to those, right? So I'll listen to everything like after 
uh, their actual reviews. So they've been doing like movie reviews. I've been listening to those. And then once we put out an episode review, I'll go back and listen to what they've said. Um, during that roller rink uh, scene in episode eight, they uh, made a great observation, which I hadn't even thought about myself. But um, Robbie takes very much a back seat in, in that scene. He, you know, very little lines, if any. But the point where like Miguel and Sam are talking, Robbie's kind of standing back. At that point, for me at least, I completely forgot that the last time Miguel and Robbie saw each other, Miguel had handed Robbie the Medal of Honor. So he probably didn't want to say anything, and, and um, you know, just fearing that that comes up right then and there. So. Um, oh yeah, that's a very good point. Exactly. So I had a tweet at them. You know, um, again, that's why I love their show because we're different but same covering the same content but a different perspective so if you guys still haven't checked out the cobra guys give them a listen they are a hoot they're funniest all hell and um you know i've been on a couple episodes so check it out absolutely yeah so yeah we're we're at the restaurant uh we already kind of mentioned some of the things uh that's going on here but this is where johnny mentions that uh, daniel has been making money um off of the illegal kick yeah, whatever, Johnny. <laughs> uh, but I like how Johnny challenges Daniel to go outside and see who can kick higher. So it almost sounds like Johnny's the one who kind of keeps um, provoking or attempting to provoke like a little ch- you know challenge between the two. I think the choice of words there was brilliant because you can either he actually says, do you want to go out in the parking lot and see whose leg can get higher? So it's either oh, okay. a kicking contest or a pissing contest, which it actually between mm. these two, it's probably both. Probably both. Absolutely. Uh, but we've seen Johnny take a piss in season one. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so they are ordering some food. Uh, they all have uh, uh, different things they're ordering. And the men here think that this uh, server cannot recall everything because she's not taking taking down notes. And, um, you know, Johnny mispronounces chicken. He says polo instead of pollo. And it says no green stuff. So do we, are we under the impression that Johnny does not like guacamole or veg? Um, Guacamole or what? Or vegetables. Veg, vegetables. Is he asking oh. for no vegetable, no lettuce, no cilantro? Or is he asking for no guacamole? I don't know because I actually wondered that. And I, my yeah. gut tells me he's he's saying no guacamole. Yeah, and That's I'm what I think firmly too. on board with that. Um, and I actually guacamole is pretty good. I love guacamole. <laughs> oh my god, I love Mexican food. Love Mexican yeah. food. Yeah, um, pretty good stuff. So do I. Yeah. Their their drinks. They they get their drinks at the beginning of this, and I actually wrote <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> down. Okay, Amanda gets a Cadillac Margarita, uh-huh. which Margarita. is. Two shots between them of tequila and Grand Marnier, agave syrup, and lime juice. And she asks for a big glass because at this point she already knows she is going to need mucho alcohol to deal with these two children. Something traditional to a restaurant like that, I would imagine. Right. Daniel is drinking Don Julio 70, which is Don Julio 70, which is super high-end tequila. Extra chilled. Mm, Tequila at a Mexican restaurant. Daniel is drinking straight tequila carmen is drinking a michelada which is corona lime juice tomato oh. sauce hot sauce and chili peppers oh okay so she's drinking oh yeah, yeah a mixed drink made out of beer 
And then Johnny, of course, is drinking Coors. So it's like... He's a simple man. The women are drinking the frou-frou versions of what their men are drinking. Mm, and I... That's pretty interesting. good. I really kind of love that, first of all, Amanda's has the most alcohol in it because she's got two shots because that poor woman knows what she has to deal with. But I adore that Daniel is drinking straight tequila and giving Johnny crap about his beer. Really, I gotta say that that was kind of a jerk move on Daniel's part. It absolutely I mean, was. Well, clearly he was looking down his nose at him. Oh, he was. He was. He was. And, you know, um, I mean, and he even, like, looks at uh, uh, Amanda when Johnny says polo. Oh, <laughs> Amanda like, tells it. him to stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Like, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but he's absolutely looking down his nose at him, but it's like, Daniel. Dude, you are drinking straight tequila. You are going to get just as drunk, if not drunker, because this guy's got 40 pounds on you and three inches in well, height. You, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> okay. Jo- um, you know, Johnny's, okay. Six to- Johnny's six foot tall. <laughs> Daniel's five nine. Johnny's, you know, at least 40, 50 pounds heavier than Daniel is. Daniel is going to get a whole lot drunker a whole lot faster on what he's yeah. drinking. It, it, but also, it's like these two listen, alcoholics giving each other crap about being an alcoholic. It, it's complete nonsense. Yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, we shouldn't be drink shaming Johnny. I mean, he probably he can't read what's on the menu, doesn't know what those drinks are. Coors Banquet can't go wrong with that. Well, plus he's a he's a beer drinker. Yes. You know, he's a guy who knows what he likes. And we know that Daniel drinks Corona because he drank Corona at the beach club. Mm-hmm. But he needs something a whole lot stronger. And I love, I, I, I'm sitting here, I, I, I shit you not, I have a bottle of Don Julio sitting on my desk. I haven't opened it yet, Ooh. but it's sitting here. Yeah, let's keep it that way for now. Right. Let's get, let's get through this, yeah. I like tequila. Oh, yeah, I, I but, you know, I like me some Patron. Uh, oh, I know that's yes. a little generic. Oh, I like of, Patron. I like Patron. Patron's I good. unfortunately lost my... Uh, taste for it in my uh misspent youth let's put it that way oh you're not missing anything i mean it's good stuff but it's you know it does its job let's say that exactly yeah i say the only tequila i find beneath me is pepe lopez because that is never heard of that one there's a reason for that that is like the stuff that they scrape off the dead worms it's so nasty that Uh, the thought of that was pretty gross yeah it's Um, the pepe lopez is disgusting all right what probably is not disgusting is two shots of vodka that uh, tori asks big red shout out to one of the ginger twins there um uh asks him to get for for them and sam wins this one now, I don't think this was really fair because uh, Tori had a head start. Yeah, she did. She'd been had a whole lot before Sam got there. Yeah, she really did. What makes it even is that Tori is doing this in a pair of Keds and Sam is doing it in a pair of boots with a two-inch heel. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, the um, the chucks, you know, that Tori is wearing, it's a, it's a lot more flat. Yeah. And a little bit more comfortable, too. Absolutely. Uh, and Stingray's date... She's rooting on Sam, and he stops her. He's like, we're supposed to hate Miyakido. So, hmm. And this is where, where I that. really start disliking Raymond. Oh? Yeah, because not only now is he contributing to the delinquency of all these minors, he's picking sides. He's an yeah. adult. He's he's Does not it... supposed to get drawn into all this teenage romance quadrangle bullcrap. Yeah, but he's also at least, what, mid-30s? Living with mom, he's he's not the most socially 
disgraceful person out there. You know, anybody who's hanging out with kids, not going to be too mature. I mean, he's written as a buffoon. Right. He's living up to that. Very true. I, I could go the rest of my life with no more Edward's 40 hands jokes. Though. Oh, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Isn't this the first instance that we see that too? Yeah. Like the 40 taped to his hand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hawk is sitting next to Mitch and he uh, wants to, I guess he's trying to attempt an alpha move. Uh, he sees Piper, a uh, new girl on the show here, and he tries to go hit on her, but then finds out that she's actually Moon's girlfriend, and uh, which uh, Moon introduces to her, uh, her to him, and obviously saying girlfriend is brand new to her, because she doesn't even know how to introduce Piper. Mm-hmm. But she has no problem, I mean, she's obviously comfortable enough with her sexuality to kiss Piper in public, right. but she's still not into the whole labels thing just yet right so because that's new so i mean yeah the heart wants what it wants i i see a little shade of eli here in that hawk is not i think he would react this way to moon kissing anyone in front of exactly him. exactly and i that was i at least the way i took it that was the entire point of this sequence was to kind of put eli in his place a little bit more right and he's he's not Hawk could have been blatantly, horribly homophobic here, and he was not. Right. Or, you know, or biphobic, because obviously Moon is bi. But yep. he's not. He He's just shocked that she's kissing anyone in front of him. Exactly. He's a spurned lover more than anything uglier than that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, one of the most hurtful things to ever experience is to see that your ex had moved on before you. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- you know, I, so, I think so. I think definitely so. So he's very, definitely very, uh, very much hurt by this. Well, yeah, because so, that was Johnny with Allie, right? Mm-hmm, he couldn't yeah, mm-hmm. get over it. She had moved on with her life and was interested in Daniel, and Johnny couldn't deal with it. Yeah, that's absolutely it. And that's not something I wish anybody would experience, but somebody's going to have to. It's 50%, right? <laughs> right. But I don't think uh, after their relationship, relationship I, don't, I don't think that Hawk would be the least bit surprised uh, to find out that Moon is bi. I think that's probably something that he knew about her anyway. And I, I love the way that that whole topic was broached. It was just like, okay, she is. And it was yeah. not a very special episode. It was not a big point of contention it was just she's here and this is who she is and let's go on yeah exactly i mean she already knew who she was she's just newer to the label eli is not surprised right he, he's not supr- uh, a bit surprised by this but just shocked that she had already moved on i didn't even get the impression that she was kind of new it's not that she's new to the label of a girlfriend but the fact that she's actually in a relationship doesn't matter who it's with. It's just any relationship. Right. Right. And if she and Piper are relatively new where she and Hawk have been broken up for, you know, six weeks, almost two months at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's been alone all summer where her and, and yes. Piper were just talking. Then the relationship itself is new. Right. And speaking of summer, uh, we cut back to the restaurant where it's really awkward between Daniel and Johnny, because the women went to the ladies' room. Which, and, uh, I will say, yes. even though we have no dialogue to back this up, and those two had known each other for a grand total of maybe five minutes, Carmen and Amanda did that on purpose. Oh, absolutely. They get it. They get it. You gotta leave these two alone. 
Yes. And uh, I just, I love how Johnny is just crunching on those chips. Aggressive um, chip eating. <laughs> Very aggressive chip eating. Johnny just does everything aggressively when he's angry with Daniel. He aggressively Absolutely. salts his eggs. He aggressively eats his chips and salsa. He aggressively drinks his beer. <laughs> he does everything That's right. aggressively. Yeah, you're right. And so this is where the segue is, you know, because uh, Daniel wants to know what his problem is. And he says that Daniel's basically been, a, you know, a pain in his ass all summer. So it's been a cruel summer. It, it's, it's also kind of a lack of self-awareness. That he's saying Daniel has been a pain in his ass all summer, but Daniel is the one with the vandalized car and the vandalized dojo and the employee with the bruised ribs who ended up walking out on him. And he's the one whose demonstration at Valley Fest was completely destroyed. But Oh, and uh, freaking um, Johnny's, you know, uh, taking credit for like the all value was all him and that smirk. It was everything. There is the jerk smirk that we all know and love. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I I love, I mean, this is probably like their best part because it's just the two of them finally clearing out the air. Right. Right. Um, Which seems to be a theme between uh, many of the characters here, you know, Aisha and Sam earlier in episode four. At the, at the beach club. Yeah. At the beach club, you know, um, Exactly. And then, uh, you know, Miguel and Sam at the roller rink. So it's definitely a theme that continues on. And um, I love how Daniel finally addresses, you know, like, hey, you know, tell Crease, you know, don't come uh, come by again or he'll press charges. So, you know, this is something Tom's been wanting, you know, for Daniel to call the cops. So um, they talk about Crease, you know, and Daniel throws out like, what, is he dead again? Well, the, the, the thing that gets me about this conversation is it starts out their usual just getting under each other's skin and giving each other shit because right. they can. And this is like the yep. only way these two know how to deal with each other. And then Daniel is the, you and Crease are like two psychotic peas in a pod. And oh, by the way, you tell that man the next time he shows up at my dojo and threatens me and my students and Johnny's entire face changes. And he goes, mm-hmm. wait, Kreese did what? Yep. And not very. He's uh, he's out of the loop on a lot of things. Right. But he's also not happy in the slightest. No. That this happened. Now, you can read it as he's worried because Robbie is one of the students that was threatened. Or is he upset because Daniel was threatened? Or is he upset because... Crease obviously had something to do with everything that was done to Miyagi Do early in the, earlier in the summer. It, however, you read it one way or the other, Johnny has a protectiveness of Daniel that I don't think Johnny is even aware is there, and it's answered because Daniel comes back with, "Why would you even let that man back in your life?" Because Daniel is sitting here and he remembers Crease trying to murder this man. When he was right. 17 years old. So Daniel mm-hmm. has a reciprocal protectiveness of Johnny that I don't right. think he is aware exists either. That's right. And, and it's mm-hmm. very beautifully done. Oh, it absolutely. I mean, uh, the, again, the, the entire dialogue, you know, it, it's just a backdrop and just words. That's what I love about this episode. Um, this is, uh, and, and you know what? Uh 
he, you know, Johnny talks about pushing Crease away and, you know, Daniel smiles. So they're, they're on the same page about this. And, you know, Johnny mentions that he wants his Cobra Kai to be better. Yes. So I think Daniel is finally kind of, you know, kind of seeing the good in Johnny. Um, yeah. This is also when the women, uh, they come back. And uh, Carmen mentions that um, Amanda had told her Robbie is going to be enrolling into uh, West Valley. Obviously, this is brand new uh, to Johnny, yes. but he seems to be okay with it. You know, he's taking it well. Um, right, which you know, Amanda, better... Amanda's kind of side eyeing him a little bit to um, see what he's how he's going to react. Yeah, right. Daniel answers him just very matter of factly. It's one of our rules. He's going to stay with us. He's going to go to school. You know, Daniel is the one that I would expect to be leery of Johnny's reaction to finding this out because the last time. Uh, Johnny, or the, the last time Johnny found out about anything about Robbie and Daniel, he tried to shove Daniel through a wall. Well, right. But also, um, like, the last time Amanda saw him was in their backyard and, and eating eggs in their kitchen. Exactly. Um, very aggressively. Now, Carmen is just meeting them for the very first time, but I, I'm sure she knows by now. We just haven't talked about it. But the last time Johnny tried telling Carmen about Daniel, she's like, well, this Daniel guy sounds like a real jerk. You know, so, yeah, nobody knows how anybody's going to react. Right. So at this point, Carmen does know Robbie is Johnny's son, Mm -hmm. which becomes relevant later on. And uh, so they get their food and the lady, she made one mistake. Uh, She forgot to have the sour cream omitted from Carmen's plate. And uh, Daniel jokes that it's a rookie mistake, to which Johnny replies, uh, oh, white belt. And they have a pretty good organic chuckle about that, too. I thought that was very, very sweet. <laughs> yes, and those two are laughing and smiling at each other, and the women are looking at each other over that. With oh, just absolutely. With just this look on their face like, ha, we did it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um we come back to the party. Uh, Dimitri is trying to clear the air with Hawk by bringing up Doctor Who. So apparently they're both Whovians. And he nearly switches back to Eli once uh, he found out one of the showrunners or the showrunner. Moffat is uh, not the showrunner anymore. Yeah, right. And uh, not only that, uh, the uh, Doctor Who is now a woman. So Eli seems to be on board with all of these uh, new changes. Eli definitely is. And then right. Hawk remembers that Moon has a new girlfriend. Correct. That uh, the the I guess the I thought the the idea the thought of them is upsetting him, and so yep, we see the look on his face change. And Dimitri tries to talk to him, and it goes south. Uh, Hawk ends up pouring a drink on Dimitri's head, which made me want to stand up and defend him, but I am not there. Yeah, um, for for that for that one beautiful shining moment, my Eli was there, and then that asshole hawk displanted him and took over again. Exactly. Uh, we cut back to the restaurant, and we got the mention of the blueberry pie deleted scene. Yes, this is your Easter egg. This was the only other Easter egg. Uh, was a combination of. The... I would rather talk about your calendar and dinner plans. Shut up, Siri. And that's not even my Siri. <laughs> That's my theory. I don't know how the hell she came up. She would she would rather talk about your dinner plans, Peter. Clearly. Oh, good. Are you have a date with Siri tonight? I was going to ask, not. where are you taking Siri? She's kind of fussy. <laughs> yeah, she's uh she's putting my business out there. 
she's becoming a regular guest host at this point. She's been on. She's at my house this time. Yeah, she's been on three. She's been on three <laughs> times now. So yeah. Um, but yeah, this was this was the 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 other the only other like Easter egg that I could find in the whole episode was mm-hmm. the blueberry pie scene, which a lot of people have argued that you know it's not canon because it's just in the book. It, it to me it absolutely is canon because it's in the book and it was in the original script and it was filmed and there's a picture of it on the back cover of my book and I have known this scene since 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, since I read the book the first time and the last time I went four rounds with LaRusso, I caught a foot to the face and the fact that Johnny oh, God, can so funny. laugh after saying that. Yeah. I mean, uh, granted it's after some drinks too. I don't know if he'd say, you know, admit to that and laugh sober. Um, well, just the fa- honestly, just the fact that he's willing to sit down and I, I think it's just an example of him growing as a character. Yeah, the fact oh, that he's sitting no, down and having a civil conversation with him. Oh, absolutely. But no, uh, just real quick, back to that blueberry pie scene. Um, Daniel calls Johnny out on leaving out details too. Something we've seen in episode eight of season one when he's talking to Miguel. Yes, and then all, obviously he leaves with Johnny out half and the story. Or, right, uh, and Johnny telling Carmen in episode two or three of season two. Um. Oh wow! I'm ashamed of myself because I cannot recall right off the top of my head which episode that's in. Might be in two because so it was he does the that same. lovely drunken stumble. Yeah, mm, and she no, catches him. Was... Yeah, she catches him, and she takes was him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she takes him okay. into the apartment. You got that's your washing right. machine there, and yeah, maybe three. Three was three fire because that's where ice. he got he got he got really emotional. Uh, right? Yeah, that's the episode where he got really emotional and told Miguel the whole story about about Robbie. Gosh, no, um, I, I think I it was four when he found out that that Robbie had moved in with Daniel and he was looking for him and he had the skateboard and he went to the apartment and that's when he punched a noosh. I am ashamed of myself. I need to watch this at least 20 more times until I can, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hosting this damn show. How do you think I feel? <laughs> <laughs> OK. All right. We'll we'll move it along. Um all right, so uh, the LaRussos, they get up to dance uh, to some salsa. Uh, Johnny hesitates a little bit, but Carmen, she offers to be his salsa sensei. I love it so much. This scene, this is this is my third favorite scene of the entire season, is these two dancing. And it's it, 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 Johnny, when he, when he first gets to the dance floor, and he looks over, and Daniel is uh, spinning and bobbing and weaving and the hips are moving and, you know, everything that that he was taught to do on Dancing with the Stars. And he's got some serious hip action and his, you know, feet are moving right and he's not got spaghetti arms or creepy hands or any of this. He's like, of right. course he I can dance. I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when he looks over at him and goes, you tell anyone and you're dead. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, what I love about this scene in this very moment, this is all about Johnny. Yes. The way the dancing is framed, the LaRussos are in the back. Yes. This is about Johnny having fun and living his best life. And connecting with Carmen. Oh, yeah. The, absolutely. The always, and, and Carmen here has the Mr. Miyagi line, the always look me in the eye. You know, yeah. it, it, when you're fighting, do you look at right. your feet? No, you always look at the no. eyes. And right. just the connection between them is so, uh, my heart. It's so good. They're so um, in love with each other. Oh, my God. 
And we cut back to the party. Robbie finds uh, Sam still drinking, and she's not very nice to him. Uh, Aisha comes over, and she has a little talk with Sam, and the truth comes out about the Medal of Honor. So Sam finds out that Miguel gave it to Robbie, and because, you know, she tried to say uh, Dimitri found it in the backyard, but uh, she needs a little bit of air. And this is where Dimitri gets on the microphone and humiliates Hawk. This is when he starts with just uh, introducing yes. Hawk as Eli Moskowitz and the whatever crazy clown cosplay and whatever manic panic he's dumped in his hair. and That's it. Yeah. Yep. At this um, point, he's still okay. He's kind of treading a line, but he hasn't crossed it yet. Not yet, but, you know, he's showing a little bit of mercy right here, uh, Hawk is. Mitch definitely does and actually right. reminds Hawk to show mercy. Yes. Uh, then we cut back to the end of the date, and, um, you know, the uh, Daniel, you know, says that he's always going to be Miyagi-Do and Johnny would always be Cobra Kai. And... Um, what does he say? That they're supposed to be at war? No, he says, I will always be Miyagi-Do, and you will always be Cobra Kai, but that doesn't mean we need to be at war. That's right. And Johnny, then Johnny says, is Kreese. Yeah, Kreese is the will, one who yeah. cares about wars, not me. That's right. So again, they're both on the same page uh, with Kreese. Um, the acknowledging of you know separate uh, dojos, but can coexist. Um, that's that's what I loved, and I I once I forgot what happened on this one particular day. I think I was in a funk, and I just tweeted out the image of them shaking hands with no caption or anything. And that is my favorite scene, favorite clip, favorite five seconds of the entire series so far. Oh, awesome! There you go. Certainly the most hopeful. Daniel reaching yeah. out and Johnny reaching back. Yeah. Oh. It, it was pretty good, and um, Daniel says, good grip, and Johnny says, wish I could say the same. So. <laughs> With that jerk smirk on his face as he's <laughs> squeezing, but notice that you know Johnny's putting real effort into this squeeze, and Daniel just laughs. Right. So And then, uh, yeah, and then Daniel sees what Johnny did to the car he sold him. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself. <laughs> Yeah, just when you know, he liked that well, badass look, right? It wasn't the car that he sold him. Gave him. Exactly. Well, right. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's not like he willingly gave it to him. But, you know, a different uh, debate another night. But um, I love it how it pretty much ends with Johnny wishing the LaRussos a good night. Yes, and everyone's happy. Oh, my God. These four are so happy. It's so good. Uh, back to uh, back at the party, Miguel finds Sam outside, and he tries to talk to her. Uh, she apologizes and tells him she didn't know that he returned the Medal of Honor. Um, and you know she uh, she mentions how important it is to the family, and Miguel says that they shouldn't have stolen it. So even he knew uh, that wasn't a good luck. Um, and Sam that makes me wonder, actually, at this point, does Sam know that it was Hawk that stole it? Because between this and the conversation with Aisha in the kitchen, it wasn't, you know, Miguel wasn't involved, Aisha wasn't involved, Tori wasn't involved. Does she know it was Hawk? I, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, they don't explicitly say, but she, it, I think, if anything, it's confirma confirmation that Cobra Kai did it, just not the parties involved. 
Right. And that's what I was thinking, because, you know, for Miguel and Aisha to know this, obviously they do know who did it for Miguel right. to be the one that ended up with it. Um, but, you know, I didn't know whether they had, you know, ever communicated that to Sam. Right. I, I don't think so. I, I feel like if, um, you know, the, the, the writers, and I'm going to include all four of them, you know, if, if that's something they wanted the, the viewers to know, I think that would have been part of the dialogue. That's true. That's true. And if Johnny knew, I think he probably would have told Daniel. And he didn't. I don't think Johnny yeah. knows either. Yeah, that's that's very, very possible. Um, and uh, Sam, she trips and they kind of share a moment and, and kiss. Uh, Tori sees this from afar outside the window and neither of them feel right about it. No, but I think it does have to be said, this kiss is 100% mutual. They lean in at the yes. exact same time. He is not taking advantage of her drunken state. She is not taking advantage of his drunken state. This is a mutual decision. A bad right. decision. Very bad right. decision. I was going to say, they both realize it's a mistake. Yes. Right. Yes. But in that moment, they both still have unresolved feelings for each other, and their inhibitions are lower, and they both decide to do this. Yeah. If anything, we saw more a Sam side of how, you know, Miguel or how much Miguel still means to her. In this episode, yeah. But I think we've seen yes. from, you know, from we've seen from both of them all season long. They well, still have these serious right. unresolved feelings for each other. Yeah. For, for Miguel, we saw it earlier. And obviously, um, like the second half of the, the season, um, you know, he's just trying to be the better person. Right. With Sam, she's only now still kind of like, oh, I still got the feels for him, you know, with the fighting the octopus earlier and, um, you know, the, the previous episodes, uh, the, you know, the roller rink, things like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's a certain like her reluctance to tell him that she's seen Robbie. Mm hmm. You know, right. at first when they're just training together, she's like, I don't care what Aisha tells Miguel. We're just friends. Yeah. But right. As. And you know, and then, then she becomes less and less forthcoming with Miguel about what's going on. Yeah. And um, also, uh, I think we, you know, should mention again, shout out to the Cobra guys for this, uh, because I was looking for it. Robbie still has very has done very little uh, at this entire party, because to his knowledge, Sam still doesn't know that the Medal of Honor was returned by Miguel. Also possibly relevant, but also, especially in light of the first scene of this episode, um... And something that is going to be very relatable to a lot of people, Robbie is the child of two alcoholics. Yes. He shifts very much into that, um, that not enabler, but the caretaker mode, uh, where Sam is like, are you my boyfriend or my babysitter? Well, right, at that point, point yeah. he's, he's the child of two alcoholics who's trying to deal with his drunk girlfriend, and he knows exactly how to do it, and that's incredibly sad. It, it really is, and especially from what we just saw, um, you know, how he reacted with Shannon earlier in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it adds more weight to, to this now. Uh, you know, with you bringing it up, it, and especially how she, how she was not nice to him, um, in that moment, right? Sam which obviously is. is something that he's very used to from Shannon. You know, Mom, I'll go make you something. Oh, don't you know? Don't you worry about me? Don't you deal with me? Don't you boss me around or whatever? And he just goes sure. and does it and gets her something to eat and gets her calmed down. It, the children of alcoholics and addicts know very well how to do this. 
Yes. And he shifts into that mode way too easily. And that's actually one of the issues I have with Sam in this episode is she completely forgets that her boyfriend is the son of an alcoholic and she's going to sit here and get drunk in front of him. Yeah. um, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I forgot myself, you know, uh, but the fact that in their world, this is a real thing. She's his girlfriend, whether they want to admit it or not. Well, they know that they are. They're just not coming out and open with it. Um, But you're absolutely right. Yeah, she put him in a position to to caretake her, and she shouldn't have done that. And and honestly, um, I, I know you know she's just trying to go toe to toe with Tori, but even I was surprised that when Tori challenged her, at least my initial watch, uh, challenged her to a drinking game, and she accepted. I was like, wait, what? Sam drinks? So I was very surprised myself. Um, so I I'm not trying to excuse Sam, but perhaps you know she just doesn't drink, and she was just trying to. You know, try to fake the funk, really. Oh, yeah. I think she just got swept up in the whole situation. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Dimitri is still rocking that mic. Uh, he he goes below the belt here. You know, talks about Eli's bedwetting. And uh, at some point, I, I missed it. Um, but he did mention how uh, they would watch Harry Potter and Eli cried when Dobby passed away. That is something that Gianni uh, mentioned in... In our um, uh, second interview, where he said he improvised the the crying part, he said he didn't even know what he did, but he just did it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that it was pretty funny. So uh, kudos to uh, Gianni for his uh, comedic chops. I personally can't relate to that because I have seen exactly one and a half Harry Potter movies. I've seen four. So, but Dobby was in the second movie, third movie. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. Uh, the wife uh, kind of dragged me along to go see them all, but I couldn't tell you which movies he was in. Okay. I've seen half of the one that the sparkly vampire guy was in. That's four. And I saw the second half of the sixth book. I couldn't tell you which one that was. Definitely half. Didn't know. Is it Deathly Hallows? The one that with the the sixth the sixth book? I saw You're the end. The wrong guys. I saw the, the last. La- I saw the, the last Hallows. movie. Yeah, I saw the last movie. Wasn't there a one and two though of the yeah. last one? Yeah, they did it because okay. the book was so big. They did two movies, and I saw. That's the what second... you meant by the second half. Yeah, I got you. I saw the okay. second of those two movies. I've seen so part so... two. Yeah, he saw the part two. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Deathly a horrible. Hallows. I'm okay. a horrible nerd. I I've never read any of the books, and I've seen one and a half movies. I so. own all eight, and I've only seen the first four. <laughs> so, um, all right. But this is where Dimitri, as much as I love him, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know what? If you're a good person, and yeah, they're all kids, and I absolutely understand that, but this is your best friend. This is the person you have spent the last 16 years of your life protecting from the world, keeping the world from finding out these things about him. You don't turn around, no matter how mad you are, when you have that much information about someone, you don't turn around and use it like that. Right. That's that's a little much. Now, just to play devil's advocate, I can understand why he did it, though. Because this is a guy who has harassed him both physically, emotionally, you name it. And he knows that he can't match him physically. So what other course of action does he have? Right. I absolutely understand why 
he did it. And this is a situation. This is, you know, it, in in high schools, you have the the physical aggressors, and then you have. And I was very much in a situation like Dimitri when I was in high school. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't physical. I was the smart one. I was the nerd. If I wanted to hurt someone, and still to this day, if I want to hurt someone, I do it with words. I am a really vicious person with words. And I, Dimitri is the same way. But you have to be selective on what words you use. Like, no matter how mad I get at people that I have been friends with in the past, if I have this level of information about them, I'm going to keep it to myself because that's what makes me a better person than them in the first place. Mm -hmm. And had it been any other character he directed this to besides Eli, I'd be with you. But I'm almost looking at this as a mild form of comeuppance for him. This is the guy who literally was chasing him through a mall, threatening him with all kinds of physical violence. A tongue lashing is mild in comparison. It is. I mean, but but also, um, Hawk is part of a dojo where one of the senseis gave him stitches. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Hawk doesn't have it coming because Hawk, oh, yeah. Hawk has everything coming. Hawk has... Every bit of pain that everyone can direct at him from everywhere coming. But Eli is completely lost and broken inside of Hawk, and Eli doesn't deserve this. No, mm, you, we, we just saw no, him. No, Eli and Hawk are the same person. Hawk, Eli chooses his actions, and you got to deal with the consequences of those choices. I can see that perspective, too. I, I see Eli and Hawk as two different characters. And this is something that's that's come out in discussions. Um, looking back at the birth date on Walter Hawkman's driver's license. Now, whether or not that's Eli's actual birthday on Walter Hawkman's driver's license, I don't know. But at the end of May, he's talking about he gets his driver's license next week. So Eli is a Gemini. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that was accidental. You know, where you've got the, the, the astrological sign that aligns with the people that, you know, have the dual personalities. Uh, traditionally in, in mythology, the Gemini are the ones that have the dual personalities. And I no, see I Eli and Hawk as two different people, depending on the situation, is which one you're dealing with. Not necessarily a split personality. Not at all a split personality. But... um He's just, he's two different people. I see them as two different characters. Eli is the broken, crying kid in the living room, you know, crying over his cookies. And Hawk is the asshole who dumps a beer on his best friend's head. Absolutely. I mean, um, and obviously, Dimitri is the one that, you know, can tap into to the Eli, right? Bringing up Doctor Who earlier. Right. And he can reach him sometimes, but then Hawk is the one that keeps shoving him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawk is about to end this, except for Chris jumps in and then Robbie jumps in. Wait, hold on. I think Aisha. I think then Robbie. But anyway, this is where we see like the the budding dojos kind of going at it. But before they get into a fight, the cops show up. Um, before the cops yes. show up, you have Raymond and his I smell a rumble. Oh yeah. And at Nod this point, to... I hate the man. I hate oh. him. <laughs> that's just all there is to it because uh, he's just going to stand there and 
instigate this and get these kids to fight each other. Now, I, I, I would credit the person if I remembered, but does Rumble, isn't that the nod to the Outsiders? Well, no one ever said they smell a rumble, but there definitely was a rumble in The Outsiders. Right, at the very end. Um, yeah, toward the end. Okay, I don't remember if it was a comment or somebody just writing a, uh, about that particular line. It's just something in the back of my head. But um, yeah, we find out that Raymond is scared to go to jail because his mother would kill him. And, um, and then Sam, she tries to apologize to Robbie. She doesn't really quite get it out there. And she doesn't apologize, but we know she was really going to apologize for, you know, for kissing Miguel, because that was heavily on her mind still. Right, which he had no clue, and he thought she was just apologizing for being horrible to him at the sink earlier. Right. Uh, but also, be- in her condition, she didn't want to go to uh, go to her home because her parents would freak out. Right. Yeah. So we cut to Johnny and Carmen coming home. Johnny walks her to her door, and... They get their first kiss. First time we see, uh, well, yeah, first time we see Johnny getting a real life kiss. A, a real kiss. And it's much sweeter and flirtier and innocent and just wonderful. Right. Because the the last time we saw it was probably Allie, the, the, the kiss that he stole at the uh, while they were dancing. Um, as well, far unless as... there's another one in between. Yeah, I wouldn't even consider that a real kiss because that's more sexual assault than anything. Right, right, right. Yeah, he stole it from her. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. think we've ever seen Johnny really kiss someone until just now. In real life. Right. Other than the dream sequence where... Yes. Yeah. He starts out aggressively kissing her <laughs> and then she pins him to the wall and just macks the crap out of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... And, uh, you know, he goes back to his apartment, uh, pops open a Coors, and there's a knock at the door. Well, I guess right right before that, he says that uh, he's talking to himself, right? He calls himself a dumbass for not inviting her over. Uh, but, yeah, knock at the door, and it's Robbie and Sam. And Sam is drunk. Yes. And in Snake. Um, at the end of the first episode of the season, there's a knock on Johnny's door. He expects Crease and gets Carmen. Right. This time he expects Carmen, and he gets his son and an incredibly drunk Samantha LaRusso. Like the first time he was expecting bad and he got good, and this time he was expecting good and he got bad. And at this point, Johnny is faced with a decision that I have apologies to my children or, you know, to myself. I've been on both sides of this equation. I have been the mom whose child has shown up somewhere else, and I have been the mom that someone else's child has shown up to. So Johnny has an incredibly difficult decision here. Does he send her back home to Daniel? Does he call Daniel at that exact moment? Or does he just take comfort in the fact that he knows she's somewhere safe, and do the best he can to take care of her. Mm. And it's an incredibly difficult decision for any adult to make. What do you do when a drunk teenager shows up at your front right. door? Right. You know, that's an incredible hard moment to end the episode with. And I'm glad that, you know, all the episodes drop at once. Because I don't know what I would have done having to wait a week. I can only imagine for those that are watching 
uh, season two brand new, watching the weekly releases from YouTube. Right. Once they see episode nine and see how that ends. Wow. Right. Because, I mean, what do you do? And I know, I know what I have done. So in this instance, I can absolutely relate to Johnny and go, okay, you, what you do here is you give her someplace safe to sleep, something to sleep in, get a, a bucket and a tra- you know, get a trash can next to her bed in case she needs it, you know, make sure nothing untoward happens between her and Robbie with her in this estate, but make right. sure that she's, she's safe and she's protected. I would, however, have taken the step of calling Daniel and letting him know. I would have too. After what they just went through tonight, you know, they also have this kind of fledgling friendship and this new understanding. And I really, really wish Johnny had called Daniel and said, "Hey, Sam is here. She's okay. She's going to bed. You know, and and just give him a heads up." I would too, but obviously that wouldn't be good drama, would it? No, it would not. So I'm sure we'll have more to talk about on the season finale next time. Absolutely, we will. Yep, and that's the episode. I love it. I love it. It's really good. Oh, I love everything about this episode. There's just a favorite episode of the season, Um, second favorite episode of the series. Because different but same still has that little edge over it, just for being the first. Yeah, um, it, I mean that's a pretty great one too. And um, you know, there's a callback to Danielle, right, to the very first Karate Kid, right, this, and different but same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then this one you got uh, the callback to the deleted scene. It's it's really hard, but I mean they're both very very good. All right, so uh, we took to social media and we asked. Uh, you know, our followers, if they wanted to, um, you know, provide some feedback for this episode. Uh, on Twitter, uh, really brief, we only had one uh, mention. Uh, this one is from Jen. And she says that she loved the whole Mexican restaurant scene, especially Johnny and Carmen. Uh, yes, I loved it as well. Everything was sweet. Everything was cute. And again, you know, freaking Johnny just having the time of his life was everything. And they're all just so happy. Oh, yeah. Just having a good ass time. The boys are happy. The women are happy. uh, Hold on to it. Just hold on to it. Yeah. (laughs) As long as you can. We'll see what season three brings. Right. Um, All right. So, you know, we, all three of us, you know, really enjoyed this episode. Looks like a lot of the, uh, our members did too, because we got a lot of feedback. Uh, So we'll try to get through this as quick as we can. Um, In the group, starting with the very first one, uh, is from Rick, one time. I thought this episode was going to be about Minute Maid. Get it? Popo? Orange juice? Please don't throw tomatoes at me for the bad joke. No, the last episode was about Minute Maid, remember? Yeah, yeah. And I was in mid-reply about Popo Fiction, but, you know, I, I'm like the king of dad jokes, and I don't want to do my whole, I'll see myself out, you know? So I totally get where Rick is going with that. Well, no one almost died from a cocaine overdose or a heroin overdose. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, next comment comes from Amy S., it's just perfect, all of it, from start to finish. Stupid adults growing up and being happy and having fun. Stupid kids being stupid kids and ruining everything. 
and super aggressive chip eating. <laughs> yes, we commented on that. Yes. The next one is from Chiara Bongiorno. One of my favorite episodes. It's so nice to see Johnny so happy. He deserved a little fun. As Ralph said, if Daniel and Johnny looked past themselves, they would realize that they were not so different and would not need to beat each other or scream at each other. This episode proves it. It's absolutely true. When these two talk, they get along famously. Yeah. But their entire relationship is defined by hurting each other. Mm -hmm. And it's like they just don't know how else to deal with each other. This is what they do. They insult each other. That's just what they do. That's right. It's, yeah, it's, um, that's their dynamic, you know, unfortunately. Right. And when they let it down, we get these beautiful, glorious moments of them not wanting to kill each other. Hmm. <sighs> uh, next comment from Joe. Um, watching Johnny and Daniel find common ground has always been grist for the series best moments. Same but different. And yet, as always, something gets in the way. They're like star-crossed lovers who would be allies and maybe even pals if fate and those pesky kids stopped interfering. It is an awesome Easter egg that Dimitri brought a vintage 1981 Genus Edition Trivial Pursuit to the party before he went all coked out Don Rickles on Hawk. Bad choices make good drama. See Thrones, a game of. <laughs> Sam, Sam and Robbie make a few doozies in this episode, which really launched the narrative forward. I think everybody, with the exception of the two who are always making bad decisions, which would be Johnny and Daniel. Mm -hmm. They're the they're the two that make good decisions in this one and everybody around them makes bad decisions. Yeah. I love the Star-Crossed Lovers line. <laughs> Star-Crossed Lovers. Oh, that's early on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and actually um I think it was Ralph described them that way in one of the San Diego Comic-Con interviews. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um and it, it, I don't know if he, I, I don't think he put the lovers part in there, but about the star-crossed, you know, that if they could just get past each other, yeah, they would be such good friends. Yeah, I, I think we all can agree with that. Yes. Um, shout out to Joe. He's a newer member in our group. I'm not sure how long he's been listening, or if if he even does listen to. I, th I think he does listen. I, I feel like maybe he might have mentioned something before. But anyway, welcome to the group, Joe. Hello, Joe. Um. Yeah, the next one comes from Ron Y. Uh, he says, as happened in season one, I was glad to see Johnny and Daniel start to become friends, but I knew in, in the back of my mind there'd be some misunderstanding and it wouldn't last. And spoiler, spoiler alert, it made the fight between them in the next episode that much more tragic. And I agree with that. I agree with that, but no comment because we haven't done the next episode yet. So nothing has happened between Johnny and Daniel yet. That's true. Next is from Dorian T. He always brings it with the insightful comments. Hi, Sensei. That opening scene contrasting the differences between Sam and Tori is so badass. And yeah. I just have to say, that's my girl. And I don't mm -hmm. care which one it applies to. Absolutely perfect song choice. Perfect song. choreography. That was a wonderful montage. Mm -hmm. Daniel and Johnny talking at dinner was really touching. Johnny saying, you don't have to worry. I love that. Um, and Daniel saying, why would you even let this guy back in your life? This is proof that despite everything, they do care. Also, that handshake melted my heart. Oh, man, see, he brings it every time. He really does. And, and I, think, I think Dorian's from the future. He's from Australia. So. Oh, that's true. He's like 18 <laughs> yeah. hours ahead of us. There you go. Um, He's heard these episodes already. Right, right. But Johnny and Daniel do <laughs> do care about each other. And this is something that I, I, yes. I say they are mm -hmm. the only true constant in each other's lives. 
Yes. They really are. Ayesha is still a good friend to Sam, especially in being honest about Miguel and the Medal of Honor. Uh, Tori challenging Sam to a drink-off is proof that their rivalry is toxic. Every time one of them challenges the other, they lose. It's very true. And it usually ends up with both of them losing in some way or the other. Yeah. Uh, Carmen and Johnny, they are so cute together. Diora Baird, a.k.a. Shannon, is so compelling. Her scene with Robbie had me in tears. And I do have to give it up for her in that scene. She's so sincere. She's really, really good. Um, And there was a small glimpse of Eli resurfacing when Dimitri mentions Doctor Who. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, all great points, Dorian. Thank you for those. Uh, The next one comes from Natty. Uh, She says, one of my favorites, their dialogue at the table. Carmen Terre, Carmen telling Johnny to look at her eyes, the four of them dancing, just magnificent. Also, tell Moon you don't align your ch- uh, chakras by drinking alcohol. <laughs> well, she didn't She didn't say align them. She said clear them. She did say clear them. And did we see Moon drink? Um, no, but, uh, but no. I mean, uh, well, Sam she had does. something. She, she had a like a she had a mirror ball with a straw in it in her hand. When Piper got there. So she was drinking something. Yeah, it's a a a... recurring theme, the mirror ball, right? Oh, maybe that's an Easter egg for Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, I thought that's what you were bringing it up. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you just mentioned that earlier. I didn't even think about it in relation to that. I just thought it was really funny that she was drinking out of a mirror ball. Ah, maybe another good question. Ah, there we go. But Uh, she said, clear your chakras and have some fun. So she didn't yeah. necessarily say that the drinking would help with it. She just said, do it and then get drunk. Right. Uh, the next one, uh, Rick returns. One of my favorite lines is, you got to write it down. I think we all can relate to that uh, situation where a server doesn't write down the order. It was icing on the cake when one said it was a rookie mistake and the other said white belt. Uh, yeah, yeah, we touched on that. Great line, great moment. Yes. And um, we've all, I, I believe we have all been there with the server, but for me, it's just, you know what? They take uh, so many orders throughout the day. Um, and you know what? Maybe she didn't have her pad on her, and it's just like, I got this, no big deal. And it's sour cream, you know? If they were going to make a big stink about it, I'm sure they'd be compensated somehow. Maybe, you know, a drink is free. I don't know. Well, but, what? Um, what gets me about that particular server is someone asking for a dish with no sour cream is going to be an incredibly common thing in a Mexican restaurant, yeah. I would think, right? Right. It's, I would say so. And, and the green stuff. Right. It's Amanda's order that, at least in my experience, is the weird one because she's ordering her relleno with shrimp instead of with pork, a diff- uh, first of all. Yeah. Uh, with, is, is it, wait, wait. Well, what, she, what does she ask you with? She she says with uh, Camarón instead of carnitas, which is shrimp that's instead fried of pork. pork, right? Yeah. Carnitas oh. is fried pork. Camarón is shrimp. So okay. she's asking for shrimp instead of pork and then no corn, which I've never had a chili relleno with corn in it. Yeah. So it was Amanda's order that was actually the strange one. And that one she got right, but then the very common one of the no sour cream is the one she got wrong. Perhaps the, you know, because it's so, you know, so unusual, that's easy to remember. But the no sour cream is like, all right, wait, which table, which plate wanted the no sour cream? 
Uh, that, oh. Yeah, that's possible. But I, I'm also, I'm like Amanda, like, it, it, yeah. because I love seafood and I love Mexican food. I will go into a Mexican restaurant and I will ask for whatever dish I am ordering, I will ask for with seafood in it. Right. Because that's my thing. And I'm just a weird order person anyway. A next comment is from Debbie. All, uh, all of you summed it up perfectly, so I'll just add a prediction. Episode 9 will always be the episode of the season that sticks with us the most. We'll find out. We will will find find out. out. They have a formula going so far, which is build, 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 build. Episode 9, make everyone happy. Episode 10, destroy everyone. Yes, absolutely. Um, All right. The next one comes from Susanna. She says, my favorite episode of season 2. I love that they reference the blueberry pie thing, deleted scene from The Karate Kid at the restaurant. And the friendly banter between Daniel and Johnny was beautiful, although the reconciliation didn't last. Johnny and Carmen dancing was just perfect. Of course, the best line of the episode belongs to Rosa. And I didn't take Spanish, I took French, but basically it's the don't knock her up um, line, right? Yes, don't get her pregnant. Although it, it was translated on the screen as don't knock her up. Correct, yeah. Because um, I did catch this comment, and I was all like, okay, I'm going to have to listen for that when I take my notes. So, um, all right. And next is Kira. Episode 9 has once again become my favorite episode of the season. This is a recurring theme as well. Mm -hmm. Proof that Daniel and Johnny have enough similarities to naturally become friends if they could just work out their issues. Amanda and Carmen were the MVPs of this episode, putting up with all their bullishness. I never get tired of Amanda's snark. Her comment about the boys having warring karate dojos was hilarious. Everything from Johnny mispronouncing the word pollo to Carmen acting as his salsa sensei to Johnny saying goodnight LaRussos like they were friends brought a smile to my face. This episode was pure joy, which makes the events to come that much more harrowing. Yeah, But we're not talking about those events because at the moment, Daniel and Johnny are still friends. That's right. It hasn't happened yet. So let's cherish this moment, people. Come on. (laughs) Yes. Daniel and Johnny are friends. Daniel and Amanda have gone home to get it on. And Johnny and Carmen have gone home to the sweetest goodnight kiss ever. Yeah. Uh, The next one comes from Mike P. Uh, It is interesting how Johnny and Daniel hadn't seen each other at all for 34 years. And now they can't stop running into each other. (laughs) Fate is clearly trying to bring them together, and those two knuckleheads keep screwing it up. I guess we'll have to wait until 3-9 to find out what happens next. <laughs> Mike's nailed it. He's uh, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see um, another reconciliation 10 episodes from now. Yep, so uh, I that just want does... them to be friends. I just want them to be friends. We all do. We all do. Um, all right, so that uh, thanks everybody for leaving us that feedback in the group. Um, I want to thank everybody for your guys' continued support, as always. All right, so Brianna, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you should they want to continue talking about Popo or anything Cobra Kai? Anything Cobra Kai, anything Karate Kid, I am on... DMs are open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are. Um, please don't like DM me weird stuff because I get yeah. That's of that. the, that's guys. That's not an invitation to yeah. Just freaking DM. Okay, I'll, it was a joke first off, but um, yeah. Come on. I have nothing to do with the show. I can't get your idea on screen. And please stop hitting on me. Yes, and also um, all of that. 
<laughs> you really threw me off with that last one. I was like, wait, what? People do that? Oh, God, yes. Oh, boy. Oh, all the time. It it comes with being a woman in a male-dominated fandom. Yes. And yeah, yes. you just get used to it. Anyway. You shouldn't have to even deal with it. No. The whole idea of people hitting on me is awkward because really the only person who's ever hit on me is my husband. So. Oh, Lord. Come on, Hottie McHotterson. I hit on you in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> but you're married and I'm married, see? So that's a completely different situation. Um, I am a Brianna25 on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, and now, since I found out that you can actually change your URL without changing your name, I am Brianna25 on Facebook. Well, there you go. Um, I am also Brianna25 on fanfiction.net archive of our own and youtube instagram and instagram which i always forget because i don't get it right right i mean you you know the basics how about that you i know the basics i i put things up and people yell at me that i'm you doing it completely wrong um I, I you're not using enough hashtags you're using too many hashtags you're not tagging enough people you're tagging too many i i don't get it who cares yeah look i posted something today not one hashtag <gasps> My children would be mortified that you did that. Well, if they saw what it was, I'm sure they'd understand. Oh, okay. Well, that one makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, so many ways to find you. And you are working on some great content uh, for our pod here that, uh, you know, some, I think, is it already up on YouTube or is that something exclusive to us? That is uh, that is not going up under my channel at all. That will be on the Cobra right. Guy Companion YouTube channel. Okay, so that has not yet been created at the time of this recording, but something to keep uh, keep an eye out for. Some some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, for us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Cobra Kai. Uh, well, Twitter is Cobra Kai Pod. Instagram is Cobra Kai Podcast. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have a couple of minutes, um, you know, please consider leaving uh, a review on Apple Podcasts. That really help out the visibility. It'll bump us up a little bit more. Uh, there are still people that have yet to uh, watch the show. And as they come across it on YouTube, maybe they'll search for Cobra Kai podcast. And your ratings and your reviews will put us up there and maybe they'll find us. Um, but that, that's all I got. We got one more episode to review. Obviously, episode 10. If you want to get in on the fun, uh, follow us on Twitter, which I mentioned the tag or the username. Uh, but you can also join the the group, you know, the group where we do put the threads out. If you want to leave your feedback, just go on Facebook and search www. Cobra Kai period com slash companion podcast, and you spell out the words period and slash, and so, put hyphens uh, in the com. Uh, is that in there? It's showing in the address bar anyway. Oh. I'm sure if you get a fraction of those words in, you know, it'll pop up. Uh, but it is in the show notes. You can click it or copy and paste. It's fine. So that's going to be it for this episode. And until next time, <laughs> I love math humor. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com. Josh, he directs a couple on his own. Okay. Yeah, that, that is true. That <laughs> yeah. is true. <laughs> that, that's, that's the credits and, and yeah. All of these things happened to Robbie because she left him. Hey guys, um, oh, hold, hold on one sec, okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. Hello. Hey, Izzy. Yeah. Tom, you were gonna say something? No, no. Actually, uh, Brianna touched on my points. Actually. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. See, this, oh, okay. so this is what Cobra Kai and Miyagi Do should have done, right? Is, is this? Yeah, just get together and get stoned, and then everybody's fine. <laughs> Hello. No, there is no Keith at this number. Uh, please do not call here anymore. We hear you, Tom. <laughs> Sorry, something was in my throat. <laughs> okay. Brianna? Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Tom, you still there? I'm still here. All right. Are you are you falling asleep, Tom? Yeah, yeah. That's gonna do it for this episode. In wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the worst outro ever. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we are so screwed up. <laughs> oh my god. And oh yeah, wait. How, wait, what, what was this just saying? All right. And stuff. And stuff. And stuff. And stuff.